now turn to our scripture reading, which comes from John 20. We'll be reading verses 19 to 23, following upon the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus comes to bring his disciples comfort and confidence in preparing them to go out into the world. John 20, beginning at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, that day is the day Jesus was raised from the dead, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So our text for today is the same as what we have just read. Jesus meets with his disciples to prepare them for a going out. Beloved in the Lord, are you afraid, afraid of this world around you? There's a lot of hate for Christians in this world. It's not always easy to speak as righteous ones in Christ. Jesus, the true Jesus, as the scripture reveals him, is offensive Offensive to the world, even to Christians. And that's because of the sin that continues in us. We need his peace, his forgiveness. When we properly reflect him, we're offensive as well. Jesus meets with us today so that we may be bold to proclaim his gospel. Are you afraid? The disciples were afraid. Their Lord is dead as far as they know. They're afraid that the Jews, that is, the priests, scribes, and Pharisees, they're coming for them. They came for Jesus. The followers of Jesus, they're next. But Jesus, having risen from the dead, comes to them in the midst of their fear and trembling and encourages them on that very first Lord's Day, the day he arose. Jesus meets with them in order to call them to and encourage them in a new task. In Christ, we have such a great salvation. He has covered us with his righteousness, and he renews us by his Holy Spirit. He has done it all. And our Lord, he continues to work in all good things.
first through his disciples and by extension, his people here on earth. And the church today continues to labor in that task. In order to fulfill that task, we must continue to come to Jesus for the strength and confidence in declaring the gospel of the forgiveness of sins. I bring you the word of the Lord today under the theme, Go out into the world bearing gifts. We'll see three gifts that are given to the disciples on this first Lord's Day and are given to you as well. The disciples are given the peace of Christ and that peace is through the comfort of the Holy Spirit and that comfort of the Holy Spirit That same Holy Spirit, he has the power to forgive sins. You see the three gifts? Peace, the Holy Spirit, and the forgiveness of sins. In giving these gifts to his apostles, Christ gives these gifts to his church. There's a special task for these disciples. They are to be... Apostles of Christ, the first wave, the establishing wave of the declaration of Christ's forgiveness. They are the heralds of his kingdom. And in our passage, these future heralds, they're huddled together, afraid. They have shut and locked the doors, fearing the continued wrath of the Jews. It's only a couple days after Jesus' death, the Jews could easily come after them, yet. They could come and get rid of the followers of Jesus for good. It's interesting, the contrast between their fear here and their boldness in the book of Acts. It's like the difference between night and day. They're not ready for that bold proclamation, yet. And so Jesus comes to prepare them. John emphasizes that this is the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. The first Lord's Day because Christ has been raised up on that day. The church has always understood that by raising himself on that day, the Lord declares this day to be the new special day of his church. And the Lord Jesus, he treats this new special day As a special day, he appears among his disciples on that day and functions as a shepherd and a pastor to them. He prepares them for going into the world. In a sense, this is a picture of a church service. It's not, it doesn't have all the liturgy and all the things we have today, but it looks forward to the way in which Christians will celebrate their Lord in the future. The difference here, Jesus is still on earth, participating in some final preparations before he is exalted to the right hand of the Father. And we, yes, we still have something greater than this, what the disciples experienced on this day. Our Lord is exalted in heaven, and when we come to worship him, on the first day of the week, we're spiritually brought up into the throne room of God into wor- in order to worship him there. 
Our text says that Jesus comes and he stands in the midst of them. Some suggest that Jesus walked through the walls. But we understand from other passages that he has a real body. He can be touched and he can eat and drink. Ultimately, we don't know how he got into that room. But the emphasis is on the surprise that he is there. Suddenly, the resurrected Lord is among them. The man they expected to be dead. His first words as recorded in John, peace be with you. It's the simple greeting of the Jews, which they still use today. Shalom, or peace. And this simple greeting receives a new significance in the mouth of Jesus. The disciples, they left Jesus to die on the cross. They didn't defend him. They didn't die with him, as Thomas declared they would do. But they ran from him. Jesus comes and brings peace. And that peace, it comes from the cross. It's dark outside. The disciples are full of fear. They huddle behind locked doors. And Jesus brings them their disturbed hearts peace. They will form the first community, the first congregation who will bear his name. He, Jesus, is the perfect man whom death could not keep. And now he brings righteousness to his disciples. The peace he brings is one that brings freedom from worry. The disciples, they might feel guilty, complicit in Christ's death, because they fled from him in the hour of crisis. But Christ comes and offers them peace. That peace is rest. The disciples here are the first partakers in a new era of rest. We may know that we have rest in Jesus. We may know that we have eternal life. We don't need to do anything more to receive that eternal life. This peace, it's the fullness of Sabbath rest that was looked forward to in the Old Testament. That peace is connected to the declaration of and the withholding of forgiveness which is given to the disciples at the end of our text. The peace that Christ declares comes with a freedom from sin, a knowledge that one is right with God. It's not surprising that the early church picked up on this greeting and incorporated it into their liturgy. Many churches still use this simple formula today. Peace be with you. The service begins with a declaration of peace. When they do so, when we do the same in our salutation, the peace of our God, our Father, be with you, which offers the blessing and the peace of Jesus to the church, the under-shepherd acts in the place of Jesus, the true shepherd, Christ, through his ministers, declares his peace to his people. And Christ, he goes on to show his resurrected body to his disciples. He shows them Christ crucified. 
The Christ who still bears the wounds of the cross for our sake. A reminder to us that he did suffer the wrath of God so that we might have peace and joy. A faithful church will show Christ crucified every Sunday. Paul identifies himself as the one who preaches Christ crucified. There's a lot of stuff in the letters of Paul's, but he's about one thing, Christ crucified. Every Sunday, the church comes together and enters the throne room of God. Jesus is no longer on earth, so we go to heaven by the Spirit in order to see our crucified Lord, a resurrected crucified Lord, a glorified crucified Lord. We see him. Through the preaching of the word, which points us to the salvation which Jesus offers. We see him through the Lord's Supper where we have a meal with him and he fills us for our journey. And when they see this, when they see that their crucified Lord is resurrected, the disciples rejoice. They have their resurrected Lord back they also begin to understand what the fullness of this peace that Christ speaks of means. They may have fullness of an impossible joy in him. Think on this. When you come and see Christ every week, are you not comforted? Do you not rejoice in a Lord who has given you a clean conscience? You used to be filthy tombs. You used to be enslaved to your own lusts. But you were washed, justified, sanctified. You are holy to the Lord your God. If we follow through with the analogy that this is a proto-church service or a first, a like a first church service, then this first church service focuses on the dismissal. The whole emphasis of this first post-resurrection message is the sending out. After Jesus has demonstrated his resurrection to his disciples, he once again says, Peace be with you, followed by words of sending out, Go, you have my peace. As Christians... We all receive the gifts given in this passage. And we go out bearing them. We use them as God has called us in our various vocations. If you're a plumber, you're sent out today to plumb righteously, fully obedient to Christ, so that he may shine through you and you may proclaim God's work in your life. If you're a teacher... You're sent out today to teach righteously. And so you too proclaim God's work in your life. And if you're a farmer, you're sent out today to farm righteously. And you proclaim God's work in your life. And we could go on. Go then, congregation of our Lord. You have the gift of peace. You are free from worry because you have a place in God's kingdom. The disciples, they have peace 
as they approach their task as God's emissaries. You too are called to reflect God's peace. We don't all have the same task as the disciples, but each one of you in the task to which you are called are to be bearers of this peace. Both in word and in deed, you are to present yourselves the offer of Christ, present in yourselves the offer of Christ's peace, a freedom from worry, from the guilt of sin, from the cares and the demands of the false gods of this world. And you present that in your life to your neighbor. You're the light of the world. Don't hide that light underneath a basket. And this brings us to our second point. The disciples are given the peace of Christ through the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Christ sends out a friend and a comforter to his sent out ones. You are not sent out from the church of God to do God's will alone. Rather, the Holy Spirit is there to encourage you both that your sins are forgiven and that the gospel is there to be offered to your neighbor as well. Having blessed his disciples with peace, Christ tells them that he sends them out in the same way he is sent out. The disciples here are specifically called out to carry forth the message of Jesus Christ. The kingdom has come. Forgiveness has come. Christ, he spent his ministry pointing to the end of his ministry, the cross. Even as Christ pointed to the cross, so the disciples are called to point to the cross. Christ was lifted up on that cross to call all men to himself. And so the disciples are called to raise the banner of Christ before the world. And there's something still deeper going on here. One of the important themes in John is that Jesus has come to show the way to the Father. Even more, he is the exegesis. That means he explains, he shows the way to the Father. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. That's the whole point of Jesus' long discussion with the disciples in the upper room. John 12 to 17, you read that whole discussion. He tells them, you have seen the Father because you've seen me. Now the disciples are to go out and show the way to Jesus. They are to be the exegesis of Jesus. That's why Jesus prays in John 17, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that the world may believe That you sent me. The way to the Father is shown through Christ. Christ who offers himself up for the sake of the sins of the world. The way to Christ is to be shown through his disciples. And through those who believe in the words of his disciples. 
as Paul might say, imitate me even as I imitate Christ. The point isn't Paul. The point is the Christ who works through Paul. Now Jesus gives a gift to the disciples so that they may have the strength to go out. A gift that he promised them in the upper room. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will strengthen them to be powerful apostles for the sake of Christ's kingdom. He symbolizes this with a deep breath. He is the resurrected Lord and he now has power to give this gift. The word for breath points us back to Genesis where God breathes on Adam and Adam receives life. This breath is a picture of the new life that men now receive through Christ. Christ, as the new Adam, he's beginning over again. There is now a new human race in the born in the image of Christ, born from above, as Christ said to Nicodemus in John 3. Jesus says, Receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will bind these disciples to himself. This Spirit, he will communicate Jesus to the disciples so that they will continue to have his presence in their lives. This Spirit will work through them to show the world Jesus. This is the first taste of the Spirit. At Pentecost, the fullness of the Spirit will be poured out and the world will see the great power of the Spirit. Now the disciples do really receive the Spirit here, but they must wait until the right time, Pentecost, for the fullness of the Spirit, after which they will go out and preach with boldness. You, congregation of the Lord, You have the Spirit. He dwells among us. He is teaching you right now through the word preached. He is there as a friend and a comforter to you. He teaches you that you have forgiveness. He teaches you to practice righteousness. He teaches you to love More than that, through the Spirit, Christ is with you. Now it's easy to slip into a false understanding of the Spirit as a force, which works through us in an abstract kind of way. But no, the Spirit, remember, is a distinct person of the Trinity who's wrestling with you, with your heart, so that you may have confidence to show Christ to the world. He wrestles you with you and he prays for you and he teaches you to do good works. Go out today then a new creation knowing that you have the gift of the spirit he communicates to you the peace of Christ. He works through you for you are his instruments. Though we're not all called to be 
preachers and teachers as the disciples in this room are. We are all called to put on Christ. We are all called to imitate Christ through our imitation, through our trust, through our demonstration of love. The Spirit demonstrates to the world the love and mercy of our Lord. We show our love through sacrifice. And who gives us courage for this? The Spirit, once again, by teaching us through the Word, by showing us Jesus' love for us and the Father's love and care. Therefore, live the gospel of Christ. Speak the gospel of Christ. And this brings us to our third point. The disciples are given the peace of Christ through the comfort of the Holy Spirit, who has the power to forgive sins. So where do these gifts come to? What's their end? That the church should declare forgiveness of sins to the very end of the world. We have the joy of declaring this gospel to the world. Christ won. Christ has been raised up on the cross, and so he has conquered the power of sin. He has taken the sins of the world on himself. John the Baptist declared, pointing at Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now the disciples are sent out preaching to point to the cross, and they say the same thing, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The disciples here are called to a special calling. They are to dedicate their lives to the preaching of this gospel. Christ died and rose again. Christ offers you forgiveness of sins if you trust in his sacrifice. Christ gives them the spirit so that if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Forgiveness of sins belongs to the church as body of Christ. The disciples of Christ are to proclaim this forgiveness to the world. They receive peace, they receive the Spirit, so that they may go out and proclaim this forgiveness. Now this doesn't mean that you as a Christian can go out and indiscriminately tell someone that they have forgiveness of sins. Rather, you tell them that to believe in Christ and to follow this by joining the body of Christ, you have forgiveness. Peter tells the crowds in Acts 2, believe that is trust in Christ and be baptized, that is, be joined to his body and you will be saved. The church as mother to the saints accepts believers and joins them to herself and rejects those who apostatize, cutting them off from herself. Ultimately, this happens through the preaching of the word. The word that points to our crucified Lord, and offers the blood which he shed on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. It is in the preaching of the word that the disciples and the ministers of the word today have this power. The Spirit works 
by the word to convict the hearts of his hearers. That means that if you're a hypocrite, you can't count on being part of the church for your salvation. Because first and foremost, you reject that preaching of the word every Sunday. You have denied Christ in your heart, and so you have cut yourself off from the church in your heart. Therefore, believe this good news. Christ has given you forgiveness. Live it out so that your neighbor may see your good works and glorify God. This works itself out in church discipline. The members of the church see a man or woman who is clearly not living out the gospel, living in a way so that they are not maturing, but rather denying the gospel of Christ. They call this person back by visiting them, by reminding them of the forgiveness of sin and the new life they have in Christ. This works itself in, our, in your daily witness when you say, I live because Christ lives in me. When you say, I can be a friend of God because of the work Jesus Christ did for me. All of you are called to show the love of Christ to your neighbor. You are called to be a witness to Christ, to show Christ through word and deed. Christ not only died for you and rose again, but he equips each one of you to go out and bear his name. You all know that there is a great mass of humanity out there that does not know the love of Jesus or the forgiveness of sins. Christ's hope for you is that you will receive confidence from these words of Christ, from these gifts of Christ, and so you will go out and the Spirit will lead you so that you will rejoice and delight in repeating the words of life to those whom Christ brings into your life. Christ's hope is that you will receive an unshakable confidence in your Lord through the gifts he offers here in this passage. Christ's hope is that you will go out boldly this week bearing his name. Every Christian is anointed in Christ as prophet, priest, and king. The church, the bride of Christ, is entrusted with these gifts peace, the spirit, and the forgiveness of sins, and much more that John isn't even talking about over here. You, within the vocation God has called you to, are also to go out. Don't be afraid. The world hates, but they can do nothing to your eternal salvation that you have in Christ. On this earth, Every Sunday is a renewal, a new preparation for a new going out. You have witnessed Christ crucified in the preaching of the word. You no longer belong to this world, but you belong to heaven. And that means that you may be fearless. Christ has fed you today with his spirit, and Christ has given you forgiveness of sins. Don't be afraid. Therefore, go into the world, bearing these gifts. Amen.